Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. everybody what's up i got another podcast today of the nomad strength show i'm ross hillier your host today i'm joined by zach rollins a buddy of mine who runs the along the keel podcast uh it's a really cool podcast about the fishermen and watermen community uh zach is also the person at waypoint who connected with me and wanted to bring this show to the Waypoint Network. So Zach and I connected a few months back and uh, became pretty fast friends and have a lot of really great talks. And so I was, it just made sense to like <laughs> want to do one of those where we could record it and then release it to you guys because a lot of what you're hearing in this conversation is what several of our phone conversations have been like. So it was fun to get him on the pod and talk about uh, several things. He is a competitive weightlifter. He's actually getting ready to compete in a weightlifting competition uh, the weekend that we were releasing this episode or that we recorded this episode. Uh, but he also tells some really great stories and we get into a lot of stuff that had us a couple of moments having one of those stepbrothers, uh, did we just become best friends moments. And uh, I don't want to give away too much of it, but a lot of it had to do with uh, Barbell Shrugged and a couple other things that uh, we took a lot of the, the same journeys through training and fitness and a lot of stuff. And we found out that we are more similar than we even thought knowing knowing each other pretty well prior to this episode. So this was a really fun episode. Uh, he's got a lot of really great stuff going on with Along the Keel. They're really doubling down on a lot of the stuff that they're doing. So go check those guys out, listen to the podcast. And uh, this is the interview with my buddy, Zach Rollins. Okay, we are now recording with my man, Zach, from Along the Keel. What is up, my man? What's going on, Ross? How you been? I'm good. I'm glad we were... Uh, able to like, we, we talk a lot. And so I'm glad we were yeah. able to like do this on like a recording thing and actually talk about a lot of stuff for a long time <laughs> and not capture all the juice. Right? Exactly. Like we, uh, <laughs> we connected, um, because you work for Waypoint, which is now mm -hmm. our 
our show is now broadcast in the Waypoint Network, um, which is how you yep. and I connected. And uh, we're very similar in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. like like me and you hit it off pretty well, and we've had several pretty good conversations so far. And, yeah, uh, for sure. You're a weightlifter, and you love the outdoors, so you're like right in my wheelhouse of people <laughs> I like to talk to. <laughs> right in the domain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> good, good, group, good group of people. Exactly, of people. yeah. And we have a lot of mutual friends, and, and it's so it's just yeah. like, uh, yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit more. And so um, I'm glad we were able to do it, man. I'm pumped. So uh, No, I'm... I'm when you when you asked me uh, the other day, I was like, "Oh, absolutely! I'm very stoked to be because a lot of times I'll get on like a fishing, you know, I'll talk about fishing and whatnot and podcasting. Not that we won't talk about that today, right. but it's I really love talking about weightlifting. It's fun to talk like, training. Really <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. Like I've noticed the same thing, you know, and I and I was doing a little bit of it uh, prior to when we moved over to Waypoint with you guys, mm-hmm. um, having more like outdoors people on the show. Like I've always had some sporadically, right. But like, uh, having more of them more frequently. And then a couple, like, you know, a couple of guys I had in January was like the first I realized was like the first time in like two months I got to nerd out on training and I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I miss these shows. Like I need to do that more often because like, that's what I am. So it's like, I need to do that more often. Uh, so yeah, man. So you are, uh, and, and this is something I will make this distinction of now because when, sure. when you say weightlifter, like yeah. when you're a weightlifter, that's one word. It's a capital W because that is the sport. That is like, you yeah. know, if somebody actually does weightlifting when they say it that way or they write it that way and not saying Olympic lifting, right? Because that's right. like what the yeah. general <laughs> population knows it as. So uh, 100%. when did you, when did weightlifting become like, cause you compete in it. So like, when did it become this sort of pursuit to want to stay competitive in, in that arena? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're totally right. I mean, there's so much, um, there's so much gray area in the strength area in the strength world when it comes to describing that this specific sport, because mm-hmm. people are like, Oh, you're a weightlifter. As in like, you just lift all weights, right? right Dumbbells, right. kettlebells, which we do, we do right. accessories. Right. But yeah, the, the capital W is, you know, specific to Olympic weightlifting, the snatch and the clean and jerk. So, yes. um, my, my strength story started, I'd have to say, um, when I was, I was young, you know, and mm. I was, uh, my mom was always into the strength sports. Uh, she was actually semi-professional bodybuilder. So growing up, it was kind of just ingrained in me. And then my dad was, you know, big into powerlifting. So to have a squat rack in the garage was like, that's just what was there. And it wasn't covered in clothing and, you know, buried and stuff like we were (laughs) at. People would go work out in the garage. So yeah, I mean, I kind of got my start when I was probably 13 or 14, um, you know, loved reading through the uh, Arnold Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, got that big old book I'm actually looking at right now. Nice. And, uh, and just kind of learning all about the strength world. And so I think everyone, when you're starting out young, you kind of go and do everything. So it was a lot of bodybuilding and whatnot. And then when I went to, uh, when I kind of got into high school, it, it started to be a, bit, a little bit more sports specific. I wrestled in high school. 
And I always found myself loving training more than the actual sports that I was playing. Dude, I can't tell so you how many times I've said that exact <laughs> sentence. Like that exact right? sentence. Right? It's way more yes. fun. <laughs> I can get strong or I could be semi good at the sport that I really don't have any talent in. So right. let me just go get strong. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, from there, um, you know, I, I actually got into CrossFit. I mean, I think a lot of people have, have kind of go, gone down that path, was competitive yeah. in CrossFit. And uh, when I went to college, really started getting serious about strength training and joined the powerlifting team. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, those guys kind of opened my eyes to just this whole world of hardcore powerlifting, geared, raw. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I got some crazy stories that came out of it. But after an injury in college, uh, injured my groin, I, I went to a, my chiropractor who's, who's been a coach of mine and, and is still a good friend of mine. And after that injury, I actually found weightlifting. And it was through that, that I have now kind of transitioned into competing strictly in weightlifting. And then yeah. I've dabbled in like strongman and some other stuff that I think just is synergistically does, does well. So, sure. uh, but yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, that's kind of, that's kind of how I got started in it. How long has it been in that you've focused on the actual weightlifting portion of it? How long has that been a focus? Yeah. So I'd have to think like I injured my groin, my late, my junior year of college. So I really didn't really get started in weightlifting my senior year of college. So that would be, um, probably around four and a half years, five years, okay. I would say. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, was that when you were making that transition? Like, it's so funny mm -hmm. because that journey, like we start around the same age, like there's this age group, like, and you and I are probably like on the younger side of that bracket of age group that kind of sure. went through this same journey, uh, like both right around 30, right? And uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> Because I know that this is, I've talked to a lot of guys that are like in their mid to late 30s and they all went through this exact same thing. So I think you and I are like kind of on the on the younger end of this part of the bracket. Yeah. It's like you, you start training right around the time you're like 13, right? Like middle school, yep. like 13, 14 years old is when you find it. And then obviously everybody finds it in the in the magazines that are like on the on the stands in the grocery store and you mm -hmm. like filter through muscle and fitness and like, or you read Arnold's book and all this stuff. So everybody yep. just goes super bro out like right when they start. Cause it's like, I'm just going to get Love as it. huge and jacked <laughs> as I can. Like everybody does the same, like everybody's got the same journey. You go from that and then everybody found CrossFit at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, you, you do CrossFit cause you're like, wow, this kicks my butt. This feels competitive. I do this. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's so funny to me because like, it's one of the beautiful things that CrossFit did was it's like it, everybody came from here at CrossFit and then everybody branched out because they found this thing that was in CrossFit that also existed mm -hmm. on its own somewhere else. So like CrossFit, I, I believe completely resurrected American weightlifting, like as a, oh, as a 100%. sport, like people mm -hmm. care about it strictly because CrossFit brought it back into like the main way people train. Right. Absolutely. So there was like the powerlifting faction. There was the weightlifting faction. There was the kettlebell people, which was like, that's where I went. Right. And so yeah. like, there was all these little things that like people did CrossFit for a few years and then they're like, Ooh, I really like this. Oh man, this also exists like out here and it's been done for yep. decades. Like I'm going to go now go super deep dive into this. So it's just so right. funny how like everybody has this same exact like path 
that started the exact same way. And it's all like these guys that are within this 10 year window of like where you and I are. And so yeah. it's just crazy to think like you're telling the story. I'm like, dude, this is my exact story. Like this is how I got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, everything yeah. that I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny, like CrossFit, like say what you want. Obviously there's some, there's some underlying issues with how it's presented to the general public. Yeah. And I think everyone is under agreement of that, but say what you want about it. it. It has put more barbells in the hands of people, um, mm-hmm. regardless uh, yeah. whether that be good or bad. And it's gotten more people into the sport of weightlifting, into powerlifting, into yep. recognizing that they need to be healthier and fitter to live longer and happier. Yep. And that, you know, when you leave, like a lot of people, they either get done with high school or college sports and then it's just their athletic career is done, right? right? And they sit at a desk or they do their job and they're nine to five and they go home and that's it. CrossFit gave that next step towards community, yes. which then has branched out into, you know, like you said, weightlifting, power, powerlifting, kettlebell, mm-hmm. like everything. So I think it's a net positive, you yeah. know, say what, say what people will say, but. Me too. Yeah. It's, and and uh, it's so funny too, because you talk about this like cyclical thing, like we all go through the, and I'm, you know, me as a coach and then you as someone who like is still in the competitive mindset and you're diving into Mm -hmm. the training part of it. Right. And you're understanding the programming and stuff. And then it makes this loop back around and I'm kind of experiencing this right now. Like you hit around 30 and then you're just like, dude, I just want to go like get a sweet bro pump today. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like those days happen more and that more never often goes now. away. <laughs> I know. It never goes that away. Never goes just away. Like, I'm just going to go like, I'm just going to go through a block and I'm kind of like at the beginning of this right now. I'm like, I'm just going to do some like 12 week bodybuilding block just for fun. Yeah. Dude. Like, because you, you th- have those to. are fun. You know, it's like, it doesn't have to be so this fun. super meticulous. Like, you know, I got to mm-hmm. be this percentage of this percentage every single week. And I have to hit these numbers and stuff. It's like, dude, just go like feel good and get a pump and, like the same 100%. mindset we had, like, let's just get jacked, you know, like the same right. mindset we had when we were 15. <laughs> Jack and tan. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, so it's, it's, that's like the funnest part. It's like you feel like this is primal, you know, yeah. primal being going in, like, you know, let's go get a quick bro pump and, you know, slam some burgers or, you know, go oh, eat a steak or best. something. You know, it's, <laughs> it's amazing, right? Yeah. I'll always like, you know, after the, after a training session, it's, it's highly pro, like what I do right now is highly programmed because we're, we're kind of, totally. we're going up, we're, we have a meet black competing on Sunday. And then this meet is going to kind of lay the foundation for the goal, which is going to be in December, mm-hmm. um, which is the American open final, um, American open finals, which, yeah you got to qualify for and it's, yeah. it's, it's been somewhat out of reach for me for a little while now, but it's starting to kind of become reality, you know, if everything goes well and accordingly and, um, just kind of building my life too, so that I can achieve that goal, whether it's like sleep, nutrition, yeah. not having to be out on the water 16 hours a day, seven days a week type deal, right. um, which was my previous life. Um, but you know, to this day, like I'll be, I'll look at my coach and be like, Hey, um, I'm going to go upstairs and I know I have accessory work, but I'm also going to hit buys and tries. Yeah. <laughs> That's my accessory. Beach season is coming and <laughs> you got to look halfway decent. It. You can't exactly. look like chewed bubble gum. You know? Exactly. So uh, yeah. in relation to the actual training that you're doing in this competitive phase right now, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to, I mean, I'm assuming you're on some form of a taper week this week because you said you're competing on Sunday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um how, like, what does this training look like for you now? Like what kind of, uh, because with weightlifting, there's all, you know, there's these several kind of 
main schools of thought, right? Like if you mm-hmm. if you pursue like the the Eastern European, like the Bulgarian, which is like a lot of what John Bros does out yeah. of out of Vegas, it's the squat every day stuff, right? Which I did yep. several blocks of that when I was like actually doing weightlifting stuff. Nice. And no kidding, it was like the strongest I've ever been in my life. But I was squatting seven yeah. or eight times a week. And so it was like brutal, but it mm-hmm. worked. So like where is like how do how do you put together with your with your coach? Like what does your training generally look like for competition mode stuff? Yeah, I mean, so right now um I train, I got two coaches. I train at the Providence Barbell, which mm-hmm. Um, has been a godsend. Like they've, they're just an awesome gym, great coaching, David Ethier, and then another uh, coach, Jared Schmidt. Um, Jared Smith, his his last name on Instagram is Schmidt, so I don't know why I did that, <laughs> but it's Smith. I'm um, just going to say that. And, uh, you know, great training partners. I got, you know, my, my buddy Ed and Butch and some other folks that are, you know, helping me get through. And we, we kind of help each other out as well. Makes a good training partner. But right now the, the, the programming, Jared does a lot of the programming. Um, and between Dave and Jared, they do a great job of kind of helping me get my mindset straight and everything. And mm-hmm. Ed does a good job of that too. Um, but right now it's, uh, it's been obviously we're kind of getting closer to this competition on Sunday. Right. So this week it's some moderately heavy days, um, with a really, really low volume. So like to put it in perspective, uh, I'd have to look it up to get the exact numbers, but sure. like Monday rolled around and it was, you know, work up to a moderately heavy, like 90% in the snatch and, you know, do it for one. Yeah. Right. And then, Tuesday was, you know, somewhat moderately heavy in the clean and jerk enough to be like, you're feeling the weight, but not to put you in any way a disadvantage of performing the movement at a very high rate. Right. right. Um, and then tonight will be my last training day and it's like really light. I don't know. There's probably three exercises go yeah. in, feel good, move the weight and then it's go time on Sunday. So that's, awesome. um, what, what that's pretty much what it looks like at? right now. So right now I compete in uh, the 96 weight class and uh, I currently weigh right around 96, like usually wake up around 94, go to bed at 96, 97. Mm -hmm. And then, but planning on dropping down to 89 Mm -hmm. to be more competitive in the weight class come Mm -hmm. uh, December. Well, in weightlifting, I should say, in come December. How many uh, meets prior to that do you have, like, do you have to hit a certain amount? Is it just based off of total that you qualify with, or do you have to do it at a certain meet in order to qualify for this one in December? Like what's the process with a lot of that stuff? Yeah. So from my understanding right now is, you know, you got to qualify, um, in your weight class, right? So you have to compete in the weight class that you're going to qualify in. And, um, basically what it's going to be is, I have to get a 282 total in order for me to go to the American Open finals. Mm-hmm. So somewhat out of reach right now, but pretty doable. But that's at the 89 kilo weight class. Right. So currently at 96, the, the total is a little bit higher and right. probably not as in reach. So it might be in reach next season. But what we're going to do is we're going to drop down in the weight class, qualify at a at a sanctioned meet. It can be it can be a local meet as long as it's sanctioned. Gotcha. And then that'll bring you to the American Open Finals. Sure. Um, and then any other meet outside of that, I'm pretty sure like American Open, I mean, not the American Open, but uh, USAW Nationals. And then there's like Pan Ams and other meets that are out there. 
I don't really know the answer to that because I'm just not at that level, but right. I'm almost certain you have to be able to qualify at a national meet to go to right. Pan Ams, which, and then that's when things start to get a little bit more technical, right? Yeah, and totally. We actually have this, this girl at our gym, um, Ava, absolute stud. She is 15, maybe 15, 14 or 15. Oh, wow. And she's, uh, she's competing on the world team, you know, wow. for, for, yeah, she's, she's a beast. Like she goes and trains with guys like CJ Cummings and, uh, Maddie Rogers at these like little events and whatnot That's and training awesome. camps. And, and she's, you know, I remember when she first started and we were, you know, play, we always play like hardcore rap in the gym and whatnot. And there's like, <laughs> The stuff that they're saying, I'm like, I don't know if she should be listening to this. You're like and then, a child. And, no one is in this yeah, gym. Like, <laughs> right. She's like, you're 12. And, and, uh, but now she's just, she's just part of the, part of the fabric at Providence Barbell. And she does, she's That's really awesome. strong. And it's, it's been cool to watch. It's, it's been really cool, cool to, to be watch. on a, especially in, in a sport where it's so individual, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're never actually, I mean, you are in a sense, competing against other people, but you're not ever really mm-hmm. competing against somebody else. It's always like, I just got to lift as much as I possibly can and beat what I have done in the past. Right. And right. so, but the idea that like you have training partners that are also doing that. So you're, you're training together, even though you're competing individually, like that makes a big difference in the effectiveness of a training cycle, like building up to all this Absolutely. stuff. Like, I mean, there are the stories of the guys that like can, just train in a dungeon in their house. I mean, that's kind of like the Matt Frazier model, right? Like yeah. he, he literally just trains by himself in his basement and runs on the track at three in the morning. And like, he was, he hates himself and he, and he's the <laughs> fittest dude in history. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? He's a beast. And, and yeah. wins everything. I had to retire cause he uh-huh. was too good. It was like, right. but so those guys exist, but you know, for most mortals, it's like, it helps to have training partners or a group that like are still pursuing being competitive rather than just like, oh, hey, we're also just going to be here and lift. But like you need that little extra oomph to yeah. to really get the most out of training, especially in something where it's like strength-based sport where you're like just mm-hmm. getting maybe like 1% extra psyched up can actually like make a difference sometimes. Oh, God, yeah. You know, a slap on the back and like, you know, some ammonia under your, under your nose <laughs> yeah. from someone else definitely gets you, <laughs> yeah. gets the gets the greases the wheels, you know? And yeah, I mean, you got guys like Matt Frazier or, you know, want to want to throw in another guy, Dorian Yates, who, you know, I know mm-hmm. those guys have always had training partners, but Dorian Yates is someone who is just known to be this, this, I mean, he's the guy that started the whole getting big in bodybuilding, you know, yeah. and training in a basement in London. Like the mass and, monsters you know, that exist now. The ma- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The mass monsters. In my opinion, Mass monsters when they were some, they still looked pretty good, you know? Yeah. Um, and then they got kind of out of control, but now yeah. it's kind of, I feel like people have kind of leveled off a bit. Um, but yeah, like Dorian Yates would be, I think a good example of that, like yeah. a Matt Frazier in the bodybuilding world. But then you also have Ronnie Coleman and Ronnie Coleman had, you know, he's the best bodybuilder in history, you know, yeah. eight time Mr. Olympia. And he's someone that had a great training partner, you yeah. know, and has had phenomenal training partners. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess it kind of depends on the person. I've just now found a really good group of people to train with mm-hmm. um, that are kind of, we go tit for tat in a lot of things and some things we don't. And when we can kind of push each other in, into into working harder, you know? And, mm-hmm. and that's something that, you know, I always find when I have a training partner, whether it's, you know, the guys at the gym or like I train with, I used to train with my brother a lot. Um, I've always been the strongest, 
when yeah. I when I have someone to train with by far. It's by funny far. because it's yeah. like dating in a way to like find, <laughs> yeah, you're to find a training partner. Dude. You know what I mean? And then it's funny too, yeah. because I was talking to when I had Lampers on the show about a month ago, yep. he was saying the same thing about having a hunting partner. Like he mm-hmm. prefers to be up in the mountains by himself and he spends, you know, he's, he's in the mountains a hundred days a year and 40 of mm-hmm. those he's alone. And, mm-hmm. uh, he's like, you know, I'm pretty picky when it comes to how I hunt and who can right. come with me because like I'm, you know, and I've heard stories from other people that hunt that have hunted with him where it's like they, he moves like you, he is a mountain yeah. goat of the highest degree. And so it's like, <laughs> there's a, there's only probably a few people that can hang with him, which I understand that from his sure. perspective too. He's like, I don't want to be like waiting on people to get up a mountain or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like getting discouraged after a day of two days of not seeing anything. Like I'm right. planning on being here for two weeks. Like we've got a long ways mm-hmm. to go. And so yeah. it's yeah. funny how like you, even with training and hunting, it's like, it helps massively if you can have that person, but mm-hmm. it's really hard to like find those people just like dating would, hard. <laughs> dating would be. Yeah. And like, once you find him, you're like, I'm never leaving. Like, we're going to like, I'm going right. to train with you right. or you're my hunting partner forever. <laughs> it's funny. Oh yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, like Ed and I, like we'll, when I, we know that we have, we kind of know each other's program to some, to, to some degree. And like, mm-hmm. I know that he's going to be training on, you know, Tuesday, Tuesday mornings, Wednesdays, Thursday, and I'm sorry, Friday and then Saturday. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're texting each other we're like, Hey man, are you going to be there? Like yeah. what's kind of, what's the deal? Like what's the plan? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't do that. All right. Well, I can shift my schedule. I can train that time, <laughs> you know, or like, Oh, I can't train then. All right. Well, I'll come in this time. You know, like you try and make it work because you know how valuable it is, you know, and mm-hmm. Louis Simmons, RIP, right. Yeah. Last week, Last um, week. really sad to hear that, but you know, he said it the best is like, you're only as strong as your training partner. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so true, you know, cause you gotta have someone to push you. You gotta have someone to kind of pull you through. And I think that's a good kid in any regard. Right. I mean, you surround yourself with some great people and it's kind of hard not to be great. Yeah. Seriously. It's the, you know, I mean, there's so many, I mean, I could give you 12 different cheesy cliches to prove that point, but I don't really need to. Everybody knows them, but I mean, it has a huge difference. I mean, in, in, in my world, in the track world, when I was in college, right? Like it's, it's, and and that's usually like the first, if you, if you do college athletics at all, that's usually like most people's first experience where it's like, Oh, I don't matter anymore. You know, like, cause everybody in college was the fastest at their own school. Well, you know, that's why right. they're at the next level. And then you get to college and you're like the eighth out of 10. Oh, everyone's fast. You know, you know what I mean? Like if that, and so I, like, I, I remember experiencing that right away and I was like, Oh, well, I'm not going to come in last every day at practice anymore. So I got to yeah. kick this into gear, you know? And, right. and so having those people around, it makes, makes a huge difference but so it makes it more impressive like i'm always extremely impressed by like the guys like dorian or matt that can Mm -hmm. strictly from a sense of it's really hard to like bring that intensity alone Mm -hmm. that that's required you know and and i spend like i train by myself pretty much every single day now and it's it's totally different like if i have somebody who wants to come over and work out or, or train at the house one of these days you know Every once in a while that'll happen. And it's always a better session. It's not to say I don't train well, but it's it's like it's it's there's just this extra little something that that Mm -hmm. and and I'm one of those people that can benefit from that. I understand a lot of people can be like, nah, get out of here. I don't want anybody distracting me or whatever, but 
right. that is always impressive to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, to have that kind of like that, that sixth gear, if you will, yeah. to kind of, you know, put it into overdrive. And, you know, I, I think in some regards I might be able to do that. Like I trained alone in my garage for a while, but for the most part, I mean, I find that having someone to, to give you that extra nudge mm-hmm. is definitely the way to roll, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, in that, like I said, like, you know, you were, you were kind of spot on. I mean, you could be really cliche about that in regards to everything else, but you know, I don't know. When I was powerlifting in college at URI, the, the group of guys that we were rolling with, we actually just all got together about, I don't know, last month maybe. Mm-hmm. And we got stuck inside in the snowstorm, which was great. Cause we just kind of hung out, like shot the shit. Didn't, mm-hmm. didn't feel like we had to go anywhere. And we just, we started watching old videos of us <laughs> nice. like training uh, and we put it on you, like we're watching straw man on YouTube and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And it was, it was awesome, you know? So, it, but it goes to show you that like the guys that you kind of play with in the iron game, if you will, are, mm-hmm. are folks that you're always going to be with. Cause you have that struggle, you have that, that work ethic. And, mm-hmm. and those are people that are hard to come by, honestly, yeah. you know? It's, that's why it's all the more important to keep them when you find them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of like, self, no, kind of I, selfishly, I you know you what now. I mean? <laughs> yeah, very, yeah, very selfish. Like I was, I mean, it's kind of like people collecting. You're like, yeah. okay, I got, you know, <laughs> exactly. you're the training partner. Yep. You know, <laughs> you know so what I mean? Funny, like it's, 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 yeah, it's great. But the, uh, but yeah, man, it's, what's that? Oh, I was just going to say one of the funny things too, from a, from the coaching side of it is, mm. uh, like you find people that are like really close to you in, in real life that like, and she knows that I tell this story. So it doesn't matter that mm-hmm. I, that I say, cause she agrees with me too. <laughs> uh, I can't train with my wife and, and no? uh, no, I can't. And it's not me. It's, it's, it's not because of me. It's, it's, yeah. she can't train with me because she's like, I, she sees me in coach role and she's like, no, uh, you're not my, yeah. she's like, you're not, you're not my coach. Like you should, like, yeah. I'm not going to, that's not our relationship. And so she's like, it's right. just funny like that. And my sister's the same way. Like I used to, when I used to be in the, like a physical location and talk, uh, you know, weightlifting classes and, you know, CrossFit style classes and stuff, my sister would come and, uh, and she's a couple years younger than me. So you can imagine it was like, if, if I'm coaching something, she just instantly mm-hmm. like blows me off. She's like, no, I'm not listening to my stupid older brother about this. Right. 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 <laughs> so yeah, totally. Like, you, there's just the, the managing of relationships on that standpoint is, is always so funny to me, like being in that role and trying right. to like, okay, you're, you're over here in my life. This is not what yep. you are over here. And yeah. like, <laughs> I don't want to bleed these together and then make both things really sour. Right. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? No, it's exactly. Funny. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think in a lot of ways, like I can relate to that because my brother and I, you know, we train really well together, mm-hmm. but when it comes to like some other stuff where, you know, he'll just go into the gym and he's not someone to warm up. Whereas I do a little bit more of a warm <laughs> just up. Going like, you know, cold and start. <laughs> he just, dude, he goes in cold and he's like ripping the hundreds on the dumbbells. I'm like, all right, man, like good for you. Huh. I will break if that, if I did that. Right. And, um, and, uh, yeah. So when I'm always like, Hey man, you should, you should really stretch or you should do this. And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm like, yeah. 
Nice talk. Okay. <laughs> All right. See you later. Man. But he's strong as shit, so it works right. for him. You it, know? Doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't like, matter. You, you know, yeah. you, because you know him so well, you know there's like there's no point in me trying to convince you otherwise. No it's point like, whatsoever. <laughs> I've been down this road too many times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we will share a bar on the squat rack, and right. it'll go swimmingly. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we start to like warm up or whatnot, like it's not even worth the conversation. Not happening. <laughs> not happening. That's too. Not funny, happening dude. whatsoever. Um, yeah. I want to talk some fishing stuff with you. Uh, okay. Cause you're also, I'm going to, you know, I can just call you captain. I'll just call you captain, whatever. <laughs> um, because that is the nature of the podcast that you have, yeah. uh, along mm-hmm. the keel. So I'm curious about that section of your life. Like, has that always been, you know, from young age, you were always kind of into, into the water and, and fishing and that whole thing. Or was that something that you had developed later on? So, um, yes, definitely from a young age, but Mm -hmm. funny enough, like, you know, you could talk to my family about it, but when I was really young, I actually hated going out on a boat. I like Mm -hmm. would, did not like it whatsoever. And then it wasn't until I, we, you know, we, we were are fortunate to, to my parents got this spot on the water when it was like, you know, the house was a teardown, but it was, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the property was like, man, this is it. Like you, you got to live here. Right. Yeah. My dad spent countless days and nights like out, you know, building, you know, rebuilding the house with his dad. And Mm -hmm. I mean, this place was asbestos, like it was horrible. (laughs) Right. And, uh, it's only until now where it's like, oh, this is a great little spot. Right. But the property was, was this, was the reason why. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got to say it's, it's what shaped me as a human being and, and, you know, in my career as well. Like I wouldn't be, I probably wouldn't be having this conversation with you mm-hmm. if that wasn't the case. Right. And so, you know, after I got over my fear of just going on in the water and whatnot, I, uh, I just embraced it and have always been on boats since I was like three, three months old. I mean, there's a picture of me on a boat and, um, it, it was kind of just this thing that was just a part of life, you know, here in Rhode Island being the ocean state, you know, growing up quahogging, which is clamming with your, you know, you're going clamming, call them quahogs here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fishing, being out in the water, going to the beach, playing in the waves, surfing. It was just kind of something that you did, you know, and it, it was, I didn't really realize that it was any different until I went to college and started talking to people about growing up. And they were like, yeah. man, you, you, you played out in the water all day. I'm like, yeah, you, you, <laughs> you didn't. didn't. We're living in Rhode Island. <laughs> did you not know that? Like, it's the ocean state, you know, and, it, and it's just, it, it, you know, it been very fortunate to have grown up on the water. And, um, you know, from a young age, I started working on the water. Like mm-hmm. when I was 12, I got my first job working at a marina and, and washing towboats and, and just kind of grinding it out. And then the next year I, I continued on and moved to one other marina and pretty much in the town that I live in have worked in a lot of the places that are on the water. So I grew this, this really love and affection for being in the industry. Mm-hmm. And when I was in college, I decided like, you know what? Working on the water is great, but if I could be the captain, sounds way cooler. <laughs> yeah. Plus you're not I the one sand and boat bottoms. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, I have a title. I feel yeah. like, you know what I mean? Um, not, not that it was ego driven, but it was more or less the next step. Like right. what can I do to kind of improve um, you know, myself physically and mentally from a skill set. And I got my captain's license and within the same literally five minutes of me taking the test and submitting it, the owner of the company offered me a job to work for him as a captain. So I was like, 
sweet. Not from a captain to a captain in like five minutes. This is awesome. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, awesome. and it, and it kind of, and it kind of grew from there. And, you know, I moved out to Hawaii and worked as a captain out there, met, you know, Danny, um, Danny yeah, Bolton, Danny who Bolton. You've, you've had on the show and, mm-hmm. you know, who we know mutually and, um, was doing charters out there, which was a phenomenal experience. I mean, that culture out there is just, it is such a waterman based culture. Yeah. Um, it, it's hard not to fall in love with it. Right. And unfortunately COVID brought that to an end. Um, but when I moved back, I continued working as a captain doing towing and salvage and which was a little bit different than tours and charters and working with guests and, in and, and tourism, um, which has its challenges in its own right. Um, right. but was a lot of fun to be able to meet so many people. Yeah. And I think I've always been someone that operates under the, the understanding that the more questions you ask, whether they're, whether you know the answer or not, um, it's good to get some answers, right. Yeah. And get other people's perspectives. So with that kind of mentality, I was like, you know what? I really love being a captain. And this was when I was still in Hawaii, but I also really love talking to people. And I'm, mm-hmm. I've been a podcast nut since forever, right? Mm-hmm. Like Barbell Shrugged was my jam. Dude. Like I, I've listened <laughs> to every episode. I, and I know, you, I know you listened to it because you had Logan, what's, I can't remember his last name, um, on your podcast. And I was listening to that this morning. Yeah. And he was talking about Barbell Shrugged. So I'm like, oh, I got to drop I've had I've had Bledsoe and Anders on too. Like, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. But Anders was episode number one, dude. <laughs> oh, what the heck, man? <laughs> yeah. I, I, dude, what I, the heck? I'll have to go listen to that. Dude, another another connection point of me and you. Like, that was my first yeah. one that I listened to, and I didn't even know really what podcasts were. Right. And I'm like, you mean yeah. you can just, like, be on a laptop somewhere and just talk about whatever yeah. you want and doesn't, like, yeah. there's no rules, basically? And uh, <laughs> it was actually really funny that you brought that up. Because, yeah, I have had Bledsoe on. I worked with uh, Bledsoe. He was one of my business coaches for a while. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah. But yesterday I recorded the solo pod that's releasing today. Okay. And uh, it was a Ask Me Anything one. And one of the questions was like, who were some of the coaches that influenced you the most? And Chris yeah. Moore was one of my answers that I oh, talked about. You just gave me shivers. Dude, I, he was he was yeah. like so amazing. And I didn't know yep. him personally very well. Um, mm-hmm. But every time I messaged him, you know, the dozen or so times I did on those first, because that was like my first couple years of coaching was when mm-hmm. uh, that show blew up and he was, and I was yeah. like super into it. He was just like super kind and like answered every yeah. question. And he was like who opened me into guys like Julian Pineau, who I love. Yep. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so much like that whole when you shrug just like opened up so much into a lot yeah. of that stuff. So I'm like, dude, another thing yeah. that's just like me and yeah. you on the Did same. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. Shrugged was, uh, so I, my, um, when I was in high school, there was a, you could do an internship quote, quote. Okay. And there was a gym that I was going to post road CrossFit, which is probably the, the real first step into truly getting into the sport that the strike sports and, Coach Dave Gee and another great, great coach of mine and really good friend and entrepreneur, John Spites, who I still talk to. I was talking to him the other day. He's been kind of a mentor of me, um, mentor for me. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we came to this agreement that if I came into the gym and I cleaned the gym, I did some stuff, I helped program, like all that, you know, all that jazz. Well, I could get out of school two hours early, right? <laughs> right. And- 
if I don't like school, like I went to school because I had kind of had to, right? Obviously with a fry school, it's good to go to. And then college, <laughs> like I like going to, I liked, I liked learning and I went to school for Marine Affairs. So like it was kind of my jam. I was like, right. oh, okay, this is cool. But like the physical going to and reading a book and like having to take a test, I strongly dislike it. I, yeah. Not my, not how I learn. I learn by doing. Yep. And so if I had the opportunity to learn about a gym and then also get out of school two hours early, I'm like, I'm in, sign me up. Yep. Um, plus I get to work out. So yeah. You know, can't Checks all the bosses, all the Checks boxes. All the boxes. <laughs> and basically what we would do is he'd throw barbell shrugged up on the TV and we'd watch a podcast. So that was kind of my introduction. And then Chris Moore's podcast, which the name of it's totally fleeting me right now. Do you remember Barbell the name Buddha. of it? Barbell Buddha. Yes, that's yeah. it. So I will literally go down a wormhole once a year and listen to every Barbell Buddha them. episode as like a reset, you know. And some of the and okay, all right, you're gonna you're gonna get excited about this. Ready? Hold on. <laughs> the viewers can't see this, but so when you when I show you this book, you're gonna know exactly how much of a Chris Moore fan I am. Is it good change? Ready? Ready oh, for the, that? oh, the motors. Yes. Oh, Zen and the art of motorcycle, motorcycle maintenance. maintenance. For, so Chris Moore, when he first, I was in college and I had been a Chris Moore for a fan for a long time. He died when I was probably in high school or something. And uh, he had recommended that book. And one of the quotes that he mentioned was, you know, trees don't grow on the tops of mountains. They grow on the sides. Right. And that was something that has always stuck with me. And it's like that old adage of, you really got to love the journey. And even when you get to the top, it's about the journey and the trees that were, you know, that you passed along the way, right? Mm -hmm. But just know there's another mountain down the road, right? And mm -hmm. there's going to be more trees to come. So that book was really inspirational for me in, you know, the actually 2019 when just kind of a rough patch in life. I think everyone has that and goes through some of those probably, you know, more often, more than once in life, right? Oh, totally. But for me, 2019 was probably a lot harder than 2020. And 2020 was the pandemic, which everyone was right. like, you know, up in arms about. But in 2020, I was like, shit, pandemic, this is easy. Like 2019 <laughs> was rough. Right. Um, so... You know, that book combined with Chris Moore, like he was, he's been someone that I've always listened to. And, you know, mm -hmm. Barbell Shrugged was a huge inspiration for this podcast and kind of taking my own spin on it. Like actually the, the NASA video that they do with, that they did the in-depth, yeah. that intro is how I've mimicked my intros and what we're doing now from a video perspective I love it, dude. on what we're trying to do with along the keel. So that's a really long, <laughs> that's a really long tangent <laughs> on, it, on Barbell Shrugged, but probably one of my favorite, hands down favorite podcasts. Um, I, I've listened to almost every single one of them by I, far. Those a first, lot of their older stuff too. Th I was going to say those first 200 with yeah. when, when, before Chris had passed away, like I'll just, mm -hmm. you can go back and just out of a hopper, pick any of them and like. Any of them. They're so good. And it's so funny, like me uh, knowing Mike now. And like mm -hmm. watching his, how he's kind of grown and changed since like he left the show and all the things that he's yep. doing now, it's, it's, it's awesome. And, and he was killer to, to do all this stuff with that I've done with the last couple of years. And, um, yeah. but it's like, you go back and it's just like, tra I mean, it literally is just like transports you back in time. And like, I remember, right. um, it was probably, oh man, it was, tw it, well, it had to have been. It was 20, the summer of 2015. 
So mm-hmm. Chris passed away in the summer of 2016, like a year later. So it's been like almost six years yeah. already, which is crazy. Uh, but summer 2015, the end of that summer is when I got married. And okay. where I live currently is about 115 miles away from where we got married, which is where our hometown was. So okay. I spent that yeah. entire summer like once or twice a week making that drive back and forth to like oh, help with damn. wedding stuff. Right. So I'm in, the, I'm in the car like six, seven hours a week, just like driving back <laughs> to back and forth for wedding stuff. Yeah. And like, that's instantly where my mind goes when I listen to a lot of those old podcast episodes of shrugged where I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. driving back and forth just on that same road. I've done a million times in my life mm-hmm. by myself, just like listening to all this. And like, that was the, my first full year as a coach. And so I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm, it was beautiful timing because like I can spend uninterrupted time just absorbing information and like yeah. learning what other people I need to go learn from and hearing like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm, dude, again, another thing of me and you were just like the same. It just, <laughs> it, it opened up so much at that specific yeah. time that I needed it. Um, yeah. And it was, it's, it's just crazy. Like the, and I've talked to Anders about it a few times since when he came on and uh, mm-hmm. took over the whole thing, just like you're stepping into like, and he said, you know, you're stepping into something like that. That's been really successful right. and has existed for a long time. It's like, we got to make sure we do this right. And like, and he's, yeah, he's done great with it. And Doug's back yeah. with him and all that stuff. But yeah, it's just special show, man. It's one of those things where it's just it, like, it, I'll always go back and yeah. listen to some of the old ones every once in a while. Yeah. And I, I do the same thing. And, you know, Barbell Buddha, man, that, I, the guy passed away, what, now, like seven, eight years ago, maybe? Six years this right? year. Six years ago. Yeah, six years ago. So, yeah. um, you know, to to be able to, to to say that you were on the planet, you created a show, whatever you did, and then you still have people going back and listening mm. is super, super powerful. You know, and I hope, you know, if, if Chris has listened to that, I mean, just know that you did something like really special, right? Yeah. I mean- you, you created legacy, right? And no one can take that away from you. So um, that's something that I definitely aspire to do mm-hmm. and, and create change like that. Um, but I mean, man, Chris Moore, I still, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm training tonight and the guy that I'm training with and one of my coaches, like big Barbell Buddha fan. And awesome. uh, we'll always go back and forth and like, like we'll send each other old episodes and whatnot. So yeah, that's a. I love it. That's dude. a. I'm really glad we just found that out. <laughs> I love that too. Now, now is going to be my time of year where I go back and I start. Now it's just going to be because of what yeah. our conversation today was. Like, I guess this is 100%. the phase of the year where now I'm going to start listening to all those again. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and to your point, like you find those moments where, um, like you were on those long car rides, you know, mm-hmm. and and you just what are you going to do? You're going to listen to podcasts or something. Mm-hmm. Might as well utilize the time to download some good information. Oh yeah. And uh, for, for me, like I spend, it, it takes me about 30 minutes to drive to the gym every day. Right. Okay. And that's just one way. And so, you know, for some, you know, if you look at it, I go up there four to five times a week and we're talking about, you know, an hour each way or an hour yep. time. So, you know, it's four to five hours of just drive time, you right. know, and that's a lot of time, you know, and, but it's worth it to me. It's worth it to go train with good people, good coaches yep. and a good environment. But I also take that time to, to listen to real estate podcasts is something that I've gotten into and something that I'm aspiring to do pretty soon here and um, business podcasts and fitness and all this stuff. And that's kind of why I started mine. I spent so many hours behind the helm of a boat that what else are you going to do? You, yeah. I either call a lot of people and talk to a lot of friends, which I still do. Right. And, uh, or listen to podcasts, you know, yep. and, and that's kind of why along the kill got started was 
man, I feel like I got something to say. And, you know, there's, there wasn't a podcast out there that took cool ocean coastal brands and issues and organizations that no one really knew the story behind. Like you can go on there about page, you can kind of dive deep. And sure. another podcast that I love is how I built this by Guy Raz. Mm. Um, really great show, highly recommend it. And I kind of took that concept barbell shrugged in the casual conversation. Cause how I built this is a little bit more formalized, which is sure. great. Um, but barbell shrug is just like a couple guys, you know, chatting it up, yeah. like just, you know, shooting the shit. So I kind of took those combinations and created along the keel as a way for me to kind of scratch my own itch. I've always been someone kind of entrepreneurial. And at the time I was just working. Right. And to me, I got, I got to have some sort of side project, like always been like that. Yeah. And uh, it was my side project. And then Waypoint approached me and now I work for Waypoint and now we're launching, we just launched our new retail component of it. And then from there, we're also doing media production stuff. So it's cool to see this evolution from just talking to people, yeah. you know, and it's, it's something that I learned that you never leave a stone unturned. You always shake someone hand, someone's hand, no matter what. And you never know what's going to come about it. You really yeah. don't. Well, and I think about it too, like going back to listening to those, those episodes that I will still go back and listen to. You learn something different every time you go back, no matter how many times I've mm -hmm. listened to the same thing. Like, you know, because I'm in a different place now than I was the last time I listened to it. So I'll hear something in a different way. And that concept was actually one of the reasons that like I wanted to start this one uh, yeah. because there were lessons I knew that I would, I would learn from the people that I talked to mm -hmm. in the moment when I'm talking to them. But then if I was like, you know, I remember we talked about this before, like, I'm going to go back and see what he said and see if I hear something different. But then like, maybe somebody else has that same experience. And sure. the other part of it too, was like, when you were talking about Chris's like kind of legacy portion of it, right. That was another mm -hmm. big factor in why I wanted to do this because, you know, I've got a son, I've got a daughter on the way and, mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, Hey, there's this thing that might, that will exist forever unless, mm -hmm. you know, a global EMP shuts all the internet off, right. which, you know, who knows, but like until right. that point, like if I could be long gone and they will, and they will always have my voice to hear and hear like me talking to people and learning lessons that, you know, that were me talking to them. And I'm like, that's yeah. just such a cool thing that exists now that like never really has. I mean, like we think about how cool it is when we find somebody's like, like diary or journal from like the revolutionary yeah, war. Yeah. Right. And you're like, this is the freaking coolest mm -hmm. thing ever. Like we get to know exactly what this person was thinking, but like now we have this technology that allows us to do that even better and it, and it exists forever. Yeah. And so I'm like, it's such a cool platform and way to do things. And then just selfishly, like I get to talk to cool people and learn stuff that like, I would never, <laughs> I would never normally to be able to talk cool to. People, yeah. <laughs> like like yeah, my, yeah, my example, yeah. every time I say this, I've said it on probably 20 podcasts, but like every time I say this, yeah. it's like my Jack Carr is always my example. Cause I'm like, yeah. you know, I, I had like eight podcasts done and I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, if I was just going to call up Jack and be like, Hey, you just want to like talk on the phone for an hour with me? <laughs> be like, he'd probably, he'd, probably like, be super, he'd probably be super nice about it, by the way. But yeah. he would be like, uh, no. And then, yeah. uh, but I'm like, Hey man, I got a podcast. Like you can come on, promote the book. Uh, and he's like, totally, man, here's my publicist number. Like set it up with him, like do all this stuff. Right. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, <laughs> it's just the craziest yeah. thing yeah, ever. It's wild. It's so cool. Yeah. 
It's very cool. And I've, and I think that's what I, that's probably my biggest takeaway that I've learned that I don't think a lot of people, um, learn early is that until you actually provide value to someone else, and that could be anything, right? You can't ask, right? You have to be that for, you have to think a little bit and be like, how can I help this person do something that they're doing better? How can I market them? How can I provide them value to then be like, Hey, would you come on my podcast or would you, can I write an article about you? Or, and then all of a sudden that relationship starts to kindle, right? Cause if you're always someone that goes out and you're like, Hey, you know, can I, can I steal some of your time for five minutes? Well, no, no, you can't. Cause right. like pick I have brain. 10 other things I got to do. <laughs> and phrase. you know, yeah, it's like, Oh, can I, can I pick your brain a little bit? No, <laughs> no, you can't like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's not that that person doesn't want to, it's just their time is valuable, yeah. you know, and you got to give them a reason to, to feel as though they're being valued, you know, cause one thing that I learned from my coach is, um, one of my older coaches, Dr. Pepin, um, who fixed me up and got me where I am now is he's like, you're not paying me. And he's a very upfront, transparent guy. He's like, you're not paying me to crack your back and give you a program and, you know, come in here and, and train. That's not what you're paying me for. Mm-hmm. You're paying me for my brain, mm-hmm. right? And all the time that I put into building what's inside of my head, the 20 years, the two decades mm-hmm. of him going to school and learning and taking the time out of his day and all of his time that he put towards that is what you're paying for, right? And, and you know, it's just, I think it's super important to understand that people are where they are because of all the time and work that they put in. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's the, you know, I've seen it a bunch and it's, it's the other side of that where you can't go into one of those situations and offer something because you want something in return. Because, yes, and that's a great because point. People yeah. can spot that. I mm-hmm. mean, like people are smart. They can smart, they can spot that from a mile away. You know, like it, it's like, you're just asking me, or you're doing this because you want this for me kind of a thing. Right. And so, it, I mean, like, it's sad that we have to make the, this, this distinction where it's like, hey, just be a genuine person and like want to help right. people, right? But there are tons of people that were like, uh, they're all, it's, it's all transactional. And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, people can see if that's the motive or if that's the angle that you're coming at it with, especially right. really successful people. Because like yep. those people didn't become really successful just being aloof and like not being able to read people and understand like what's going right. on, you know? And 100%. so that's one of those things where, especially as I've, I've begun to have some of these conversations with people to come on the show, you know, like that's one of the things that they've told me a ton. It's like, I can always tell if like somebody's just wanting to, get me to do something for them. You know, it's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm really glad you brought that point up because you can, it's so easy to smell BS, right? It's so easy to smell and, and pinpoint that out. And it's until like you really have no expectations for that, wherever that, where that conversation goes, it goes. And, and knowing that it might not happen now, it might not happen in a month, but two years down the road. Yeah. Who knows, right? Like you just don't know. And it's it's being a genuine person and, and putting yourself out there that um, I think all eventually builds and you start to build this like momentum, right? And we were talking yeah. earlier, like we're, the, the ups and downs of, of, of coaching or starting a business or, yeah. you know, 
you feel as though you have this great momentum for a little bit and then it starts to plateau and then maybe there's a little bit of a dip or something and then all of a sudden it shoots up and you're like, oh, what the hell? Like, how is this, mm-hmm. how is this happening? You know, like, how did I just get, you know, six contracts, right? Out of, <laughs> out of thin air, right? And right. it just seems like it just appeared. But in reality, it didn't just appear. Like, you had set the stage for, for two years to get there, right? Like, you know, Ross, I'm sure you, you have a great group of clientele right now, but it started with one, you know, yeah. and it started with just it started with zero. I'll tell you that. Right it started now. with zero. Yeah, it started with zero. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't anyone. <laughs> right. And and you were like, shit, how do I make this happen? You right. know? But but now now you kind of look back and you're like, it's funny where you you kind of get this perspective now where where you are now, you almost tend to forget a little bit about where you came from until you actually mm. pause for just a brief moment and be like, okay. Never mind. I, I this is I'm having a poopy pants attitude right now. Yeah. Like get over it. Where you are where you are because of all that hard work that you put in. Mm-hmm. And it you wouldn't be here if you hadn't done that. Yeah. Right. So, you know, relish in the opportunity that you have and take it for what it is and keep going. You know, yeah. it's 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 wild. And it's cool to see things starting to come together. It it is because it you'll have those moments, like you said where when things start to work, like it's hard to see those moments when, when things are crappy, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you're like, oh, it's just all these things that aren't working, but that's just like gonna, I mean, that's temporary, you know, for the right. most part. Like if you, if you've been doing this for whatever it is for any amount of time, if you're in one of those low moments, chances are, you know how to get yourself out of it. It's just one of these situations where things happen. Right. But right. then when things are on the other end of it and things are working really well, you're like, oh, well, you know what? This actually, this relationship was built like two or three years ago. And then it's like, I did all these other things and built all these systems. And now it's just like it, all of that had to happen for this to happen now. Otherwise, like all these pieces had to be put in place over this timeline of however long. And now is the, now is the time it had to happen. Like it wasn't going to happen any sooner. It wasn't going to happen any later. Like it's all, uh, in, in the time it's supposed to be, you know? Right. And, and one of those, one of those things that that you'd mentioned about just the importance of talking to people and like, mm-hmm. and that, and then, you know, networking. Yes. But I even think of the word networking, like in that transactional way, like, cause that's, I think mm-hmm. how people tend mm-hmm. to use it a lot. Like you're like, Oh, I'm going right. to go network with people. And it's like, I'm going to go to this event and network with people. And like there, yeah. because people are saying like, I'm going to go down to see what I can learn or do or get. Right. What can I drum up? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but like you you doing all these events that you go to and, uh, you know, all over the country and doing things like that. And then, you know, we had, uh, like I've mentioned before, I was at, uh, winter strong a couple months back and we have a bunch of mutual friends that were there. And like, for me, that was more of, man, there's like just some cool people down here. Like, I just want to meet them. Like, I just want to like talk to them and get to know them as people. Like, because especially in, in the social media world, it's kind of like, even if they're not massive celebrities, the mm-hmm. mysteriousness of you don't really know the actual person to a degree. Right. Like you can be as quote unquote authentic as you want on Instagram, but it's still different once you are with someone in person. And then, you know, so many right. of these, like with Danny, for instance, like I had Danny on the mm-hmm. podcast just a few weeks before I met him in person. So we connected yeah. well on the podcast. And then like we get down there 
and we just like hit it off. We're just like, oh, dude, this is like, you're a good dude. And like, we can be friends. And you just seem like yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. that I would want to hang out with anyways. It wasn't like, I'm going to go down there and like, learn all about this stuff and try to, you know, get him to do all these things for me or, or vice right. versa. It was just like, you're just a cool dude. Like, and there was so many people like that yeah. Winter Strong. Like you go down there and you're just like, dude, who are these? Like, who am I to be at this place? Right. Like, right. <laughs> like there's <laughs> Olympic, Olympic discus throwers. That is a badass and, event. Oh, it's so cool. Like Marine Scout yeah. snipers. And I mean, it's just mm-hmm. awesome. But mm-hmm. yeah. the networking portion of it is, or, you know, I, I got to find another word for it. I don't know if there's another word. It's like, because hangout sounds yeah, too I, casual. You, know what, <laughs> you right, know what I mean? Right. No, I, I agree with you. It's, it's kind of like that. You, networking has become that, oh, it's businessy. It's very formalized, yes. you know? And I think, I think when you go to like a trade show and the intent is to go and meet people and right. grab business cards and emails right. and like, and that's more of transactional. That seems like networking. Whereas going to like an event that, um, you know, like, like Winter Strong or an event that I go to, which is called Operation Real Heroes, mm. which is a vet, veteran fishing event that mm. I was invited to last year. I helped them get sponsorship because of, the, the network that I've built, um, through along the keel and, uh, and just link them up and get vets out fishing who are wounded, you know, and, and through that, I've met a lot of great people, but it was just because, I don't know, man, I mean, I feel like I got to give back and do something, you know, and, um, I met Pat through the podcast and I met a whole bunch of other people through the podcast. And I think having a podcast is the best way I always, I always tell the joke of, you know, some of my friends are, are getting their MBAs and, you know, doctorates and all this other, you know, stuff in school. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just going to grind my way through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, I, at the same time, I go, this is my MBA. This, yeah. is, my, this is my doctorate, right? Because Absolutely. I get to go and talk to incredible people, you know, and, and have no expectation. Like, it's just ask cool questions, give them, mar- you know, get them out there, help them tell their story and, you know, I don't think my podcast is big by any means, but, you know, I always have the perspective of like, even if you talk to, you know, a thousand people, go sit in front of a thousand people in person and, and see yeah. how that makes you feel, you know? And, um, but yeah, events like Winter Strong, I mean, that, that looks like so much fun. I've, I'm, rad, I'm <laughs> somewhat debating going to Summer Strong, um, I'm trying to get like get my buddy to go with It'd me. It'd be fun, man. Have you been to that one before? I went last year. It was my first year. Uh, okay. I have my ticket to go this year. Uh, okay. But my, like I mentioned before, my wife is pregnant and that's only like right. a month prior to the baby being due. So I'm like trying oh, to debate, yeah. do I want to like, do I want to risk like being a, across the country for a weekend, like in the last right. handful of weeks before? I haven't made the call yet. So like, but I've got my ticket okay. to go. I just haven't got the plane ticket yet. So I might be there. All right. Good to know. All right. Good to know. You'll love it. You'll love it no matter what. It's right up your alley. Yeah. 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 Last time I I, I was watching some, because I watched like, whenever, when I'm like eating lunch or something, I'll throw on John North or West Mm. Kits like on YouTube and whatnot and just go through that. Louis Simmons, world's strongest man. I went through every strongman since like 1970. I'm pretty sure I've watched every single one. Just the best. Like Dude, if you didn't, if you didn't, refrigerator carry, if you didn't now. fall asleep on the couch as a 12 year old and then wake up at two in the morning to world's strongest man being on TV <laughs> and then just watch it for another hour. Like you were, you, you missed out. Cause that was like yeah. more nights than I could count. Like falling asleep, watching 100%. sports center. And then I wake yeah. up and world's strongest man from 1987 is on. <laughs> like, right. I'm just like, right. I'm just going to watch yeah. this. I watched so many of yeah. them. <laughs> 
Yeah, dude, I've seen probably all of them. And my favorite one is always going to be um, Franco Colombo, who everyone knows as a bodybuilder. Uh, Lou Ferrigno, they were competing. And mm-hmm. Franco is doing a refrigerator carrier. Now, yes. Franco, to my knowledge, is like, he's like 5'7", right? If he's that. like, they call he's, him this. Yeah. If, if that, right. Yeah. Dude is a stud. And just absolutely shredded, jacked and tan, and strong as shit. I mean, they called he was he was a world renowned boxer in Italy. Mm-hmm. I think his nickname was like the Sardinian Prince or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And um, so he's just phenomenal athlete. So they have he has his refrigerator on his back, and they have like this little stand. So if he falls with it, he's not going to get crushed. Right. And he's running down this this road, and the road has like a little divot in it. And the other guy runs by and he's running with him right there. He's actually beating him, but he trips and his knee got like became dislocated. And you just see it like you just see him fold and crumple. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh man, they have the camera on him and they're like, oh, you know, you're out. You broke your leg. And he goes, no, 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 I am. I am fine. I just dislocate my knee. And he like, he's like, I will put it back because he's a chiropractor too. (laughs) And, and everyone's like, dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if you should keep going. And he's like, no, no, I'll be fine. I, I, don't, I don't remember if you went kept going, but like. Um, just that mentality. You know, just it. the mentality is like phenomenal. Those are some of the best things. All the ones with Kaz. I, I could watch those till the end of time. Dude, Bill Kazmaier. <laughs> Kaz and John Paul. I'll watch those forever. Oh. <laughs> but the, Kazmaier's uh, traps are they're not human i don't think like six inch shelves on top of his shoulders yeah just ridiculous his earlobes have like a nice little couch to rest on so good um i actually met kaz i went to the arnold i competed at the arnold in 2018 18 yeah and um went there and, and we were walking around and kaz is standing at the sbd booth and it was so funny because you have all these people lined up to see Brian Shaw and Jay Cutler and Ronnie and Ronnie Coleman, mm-hmm. and um, Kazmaier is standing there like alone, you know. Oh, and man. I'm like, Spent "What is going on?" <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, "All right, Brian Shaw." I'm not waiting in a line anyway. I hate lines. You, I could be. <laughs> You won't catch me waiting in line for anything. Nothing. I'm just going to turn around and go home. Right. And. Um, Bill Kazmaier is alone. He had these two other guys who were doing a podcast interview. And as soon as they were done, I went and I just t- started asking Kaz questions. And we were, we were going, I'm like, hey, do you remember when you were going, the, the sumo wrestling match against, um, oh man, it's totally blanking on me now. Um, anyway, there was a sumo wrestling match that they were doing at the mm-hmm. World's Strongest Man. And at the time he had two torn hamstrings. So he literally got himself so jacked up that his eyes were popping out of his head. <laughs> and, and they, and he literally, he scared the guy out of the mat. Like, and they did an interview with the other guy that lost. And he's like, yeah, I don't, Kaz made this sound. And I just, I don't know if I could have <laughs> stayed with him. He just and, became uh, another creature altogether. Yeah. Just a creep, like a freaking creature of the swamp. <laughs> and, uh, he actually, so funny enough, I that later that day, um, we had tickets to go watch this final strongman event yeah. and the bodybuilding event. So they did them like back to back. And we also got, I, I met Arnold that day. I got to, sh- I just bumped into him going to the bathroom, like shook his hand. I'm like, what the hell's going on today? <laughs> and, uh, and then we went to the Rogue Fitness because it's in Ohio, went to the Rogue right. Fitness um, headquarters. Yeah. And I bought my weightlifting belt. 
And this is still kind of when I was starting to really get into weightlifting a lot more. So I, I bought my belt, I bring it back, and I'm just carrying it around. And we go to this event, I get Jay Cutler, he signed it. And then sure as shit, I'm, I'm no word of a lie, we go to this event at night and we sit down and guess who I see coming down the aisle and sits right in front of me? Bill Kazmaier. <laughs> Awesome. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm like, Billy, dude, you got, can you please sign my belt? He was hesitant because it was a SBD. He's, he's sponsored by SBD. Right. And, uh, you know, it was a rogue belt. So he like right. nudges his guy and he's like, oh, is all right? He's like, yeah, it doesn't, uh, screw it. I don't really care anyway. Right. And so he signed it. And in the corner of his signature, he put, he drew this eye in the corner of his signature because I had told him the story about his eyes popping out. So it was like, That's man, so he cool. really actually listened. And, and so to cool. this day, I wear the belt every day. My mom was like, are you going to, are you going to like put that on like a wall or something? And frame? <laughs> like, hell no, I'm going to wear I'm that. Channeling Bill Kazmar, his, I'm channeling his powers. I'm, That's yeah, why I'm, I'm channeling. This. Yeah. So now everyone at the gym knows it as the Kaz belt. And That's so and cool. I, yeah. When I travel on a plane, I will bring my gym bag as carry on because I have a fear of losing it. <laughs> losing it totally. Like, yeah, it's all that stuff oh, is like man, that's a cool precious. story. That's yeah. an awesome story, dude. Yeah. Um, so, what do you got coming up with uh, with the stuff that you're doing with the podcast and things that you're working on? What is what's coming up here in the future for you? Yeah, so we got a lot of great stuff coming up. It's it's really exciting to see where we've kind of come, and now we're really starting to double down on the quality of content and, and building out just stories that I think are, are going to be pretty meaningful and, and really diving deep, not only onto the brand size, but also, um, diving deep into the, um, the fact that there's other people out there, right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and diving into their stories. So that's why we've been having some more people around the Waterman community come on the podcast and tell their stories about how they got into boating, fishing, spearfishing, surfing, um, because it all plays in a, in, in a role to one another. And then from a retail side, that's something we launched in January. And we are, January 1st, we launched it. And basically a lot of the brands that we're working with through the podcast mm -hmm. um, and having them on, we we're, we're now being able to kind of not only tell their story, but also sell their products on our website. Right. Oh, cool. And, and it's kind of like a, if, if you're, if you're ever familiar with Huckberry, which mm -hmm. is a brand based out of California, yeah, they focus a lot on like the outdoorsy type stuff and yeah. urban, urban outdoorsmen. Um, what we're doing is we're focusing solely on the waterman, right. And, and it's an online retail store that really tells the story about brands and provides you not only, the interesting things that you want to learn, but also the gear that you're going to need for a day out on the water. So mm -hmm. anything from, you know, sunglasses to, to, to knives for, to, to, to fillet a fish or sunblock to keep your skin, uh, you know, from getting burnt or speakers from turtle box and a lot of cool stuff that we think is worth your time and learning about and worth your money. Um, because it has, it's super high quality gear and whatnot. So that's something that we're really excited about. We're doing a lot more in-person interviews and doing kind of a more of a video component, a lot more how-to videos. So um, be on the lookout for that. Our YouTube channel is going to get a lot more love and just overall kind of kind of really diving in here with two feet and being yeah. more consistent because consistency, consistency is key, right? Yes. We all know that. Yes. Um, so yeah, wicked awesome. excited there. And then, uh, yeah, just keep on training and competing and, and keep down the path, you know? I love it, man. Well, 
thanks for making the time, man. This was, I had a blast talking to you today. This is what, you know, probably most of our conversations are like anyway. So I'm glad we just had <laughs> one that was recorded that we can post. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, good luck yeah, Ross, this weekend. Of course. Good luck this weekend in the competition. I'm looking forward to see how you do. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, same here. So cool, man. Well, hey, thanks for having me on. You know, really love the podcast. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been listening to uh, the Volkortsen one. I listened to the one about Logan this morning. So um, awesome. love it, love it, love it. Oh, and and the Casey uh, with uh, Tacticalories. Very cool story. <laughs> All right, brother. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. See you, man. Bye. Bye.